0: This week on The Urban Shooter, interview with the author of Ministry of Defense, Weddings and Shotguns, Zombie Strike, Number 27, Question of the Week, Marriage. All this, and a little bit extra, coming up next.
1: CrossbreedHolsters.com presents
2: the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show. Featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. You're a friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it.
3: This is a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic.
0: You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, or subscribing to The Urban Shooter Show. And I'm used to saying podcasts, but I think that just changed when I joined the team of WindowsToLiberty.com. Thank you and welcome to The Urban Shooter, the pro-gun variety show that features news, interviews, and how-tos of just about anything I can think of that's good to pass on to a family member about anything having to do with a trigger. And life. You know, wisdom is the principal thing and in all you're getting get understanding I am your friend and brother from a different mother a pastor an author an activist a producer a husband and host Ken Blanchard I'm here to share a smile with you pass on some good info and help you pass an hour now you might be driving riding sitting flying jogging running or gunning whatever you do thank you for rolling with this brother if you want to reach me my email is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com You can leave me a voicemail toll-free in the U.S. at 888-772-6262 Man, I'm psyched. I couldn't wait to get on the microphone. Been waiting all week, actually. So, after this, John Wayne will give us our Pledge of Allegiance, and we'll get started with Episode 166, Weddings and Shotguns.
2: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America,
1: and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all.
0: Well, it's springtime in the nation's capital and it's wedding season. It's really hard to get a room for a conference, a meetup, or a gun class because every spot, usually available, is booked because of a wedding. I got one Saturday, as a matter of fact. You should see my outfit. Ordered it from Pakistan. Custom made got lost there for a minute because of the volcano it's got uh, silver around the collar a mandarin collar and big old patch of some fancy silver brocade on the back and then the cuffs big old silver decorations as well I had it specially made because uh, about one I gained a little bit of weight but I'm working on that this week buddy four days in a row in the gym And I want a little little extra special for this couple. They're my friends. And I heard that they were doing the gray and white, the silver and black thing. I wanted to coordinate. I'll take a picture and share it with you on Facebook next week. If not that, it'll be on my new site, KenBlanchard.com. As a matter of fact, I love officiating at weddings. I get the best spot in the house. I get to see the faces of the couples up close to see the groom wonder if this is the end of freedom or the beginning of life. I think that's why men wear black. The only other time you see them do that is at funerals now that I think about it. And the bride. Wearing white. Looking as good as she ever is going to look again. Unless you marry a supermodel, actress, or stage performer, that is. You will never see a woman, fellas, look this hooked up again. They got hairdressers, makeup artists, custom-fitted dresses, manicurists, pedicurists. The girlfriend she had that you wish you knew beforehand would always give her that freaky stuff. The crotchless, edible panties, thongs, or something that makes you glad to be a man. Under that dress is probably nothing. It's big. It's flowing. It costs a lot, but basically, it's a giant armored personnel carrier with the driver sticking out, showing some cleavage. And beneath the hatch opening, your bare naked lady. You know, marriage making money right now for the local governments. That's why there's so many civil unions in uh, the District of Columbia. In DC, there's so many gay couples in the hallways leading to the marriage bureau, you can hardly get in there. I thought it was a twins convention. Everybody was dressed the same. I thought, man, this generation is so trendy. But up close, I realized these were old people for the most part. Hmm. And when did the best man in the room start going to the courthouse? Why are these two women wearing a tuck? And then the light bulb came on above my head. I had the aha moment. Civil unions. For the record, I'm old school. Homie, don't play that. I'll defend your right to life and liberty, regardless of orientation. Shoot with you, hang out with you, but I don't deviate from the Bible on things I have to answer to God about. Eternity is a very long time. And I'm looking forward to my mansion, not made by hands, in the non-smoking section. Weddings. What do you carry when you go to a wedding? Now, if you work in a detail, security, or concealed carry holder, any pocket pistol is probably cool. But one of the things you got to realize is that you'll be in close proximity to a lot of people. You'll be in a house of worship, and probably in an ungun-friendly city, and maybe getting bumped and hugged by family members. So you want to make sure you plan accordingly. You want to have a holster with a good retention, And the proper planning goes a long way here. You don't want to create a disturbance and ruin that bride's day. And it is their day. I could have cared less about all that stuff that was going on when I got married. Here's the deal. All you really need is you, your mate, a preacher, a witness, and God. Everything else is hoopla. You know, you can buy two gun safes, 10 rifles, 25 pistols, a couple of auto-loading high-trap shotguns, a nice pair of Black Hawk shoes with the money people spend on weddings these days. And how long do they last? The part I do is at most 15 minutes, and that's if I start cracking jokes. Folks start making worship services or concerts out of their wedding. They're lighting candles, we're doing Holy Communion, the flower girls are throwing rose petals on rice paper, Something pure, too cute for his own good, little boy is making a making his way down the aisle and they're making him carry a pillow with a fake ring on it, and he's not even participating. He starts to look for his mama. That joker never comes all the way down anyway. He starts off strong and then he crumbles. After he gets a peek at all those strange people looking at him and smiling at him like he's a Scooby-Snack, the little guy is overwhelmed. I see it every month. And how many maids of honor do you need? Groomsmen. I think they do it for entertainment, actually. Those women are dolled up pretty good. And they got to make sure they're not as sexy as the bride, but they sure try their damnness to come close. Their groomsmen are oblivious for the most part. Most of married by the time they get asked to be in one, and they don't reap the benefits of all that estrogen-heavy, pheromone-spraying love fest that's going on. Watch that movie of The Wedding Crashers. Some of that stuff is real. Here's a tip for you. Guys, if you're looking for a missus, go to a wedding. Ladies, if you're looking for a mister, go to the range. That don't even match, does it? No, nah, I know. But I'm just trying to help. Hey, if you're going to be in the congregation, my advice to you is to not do what is natural and get caught gazing longer than physically necessary. Avoid a collision. If you don't know what I'm talking about, keep your eyes in your head. I know it's unnatural not to look at some of the stuff you're going to see in a wedding, but please pay more attention to whomever you bring and you'll be fine. Remember, the deal is to last longer than the program. If the bride walks down in front of you and your mind goes, you're in trouble. If you're watching that garter thing and your mind goes, you're in trouble. If you drink too much and start grabbing the wrong somebody because it's time to go. I should know, I've been the best man many times. Guns and weddings made me instantly think of that. what type of of firearm. Shotgun. You guessed it. The old guys got me out to the trap range again this week. Second time this year. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I think I want to invest in a trap shooting outfit and a shotgun. I saw an old brother with a high-speed custom-looking shotgun. It made me go, damn! I think he called it a luck jig or something. So it was American-made. So... I had to go to my fellows on Facebook, and they hooked me up with the right site name. Question of the Week. This week, I asked my friends on Facebook about marriage. What are your thoughts on it? Marshall said it must be a correct calling from God and to the right person. He says that I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, I know I'm old-fashioned for a youngster, but I take it in the biblical sense. Jamie says, biblically ordained by God, one man, one woman for a lifetime. Believers are to marry in the Lord, i.e. to another believer. People who become believers while married to a non-believer or are believers who sin and marry a non-believer are not to divorce, but to allow the non-believer to do so if non-believer wishes. Those are his thoughts. And, uh, Just a summary. Oh, he says, those are my thoughts, but not my thoughts. This is a summary of what Scripture says, and that's what I believe too. Michael says, learn your spouse's love language ASAP. Express it to him or her often, and you'll actually have a fighting chance. The question, marriage, what are your thoughts on it? I got a quick response. I mean, it was about, let's see, within minutes of me posting it got 26 responses. Mike says, It is awesome. Make sure you do it with someone you love for the right reasons and stick to it. It's one of the hardest things you will ever do and also the most rewarding. This Friday, or last Friday, was his 27th anniversary, and he's more in love than ever. He used to hear people say that when they were married to their best friend and thought that was so corny. Now he knows how it feels. And he can happily say he's married to his best friend. Man, that is cool. And happy anniversary, guys. And your son rocks, too, by the way, Mike. David says marriage is the ultimate expression of the right of free association to associate yourself with one person, above all, by choice. He says, I think it's cruel to deny this right to same-sex couples. Miguel says, I will quote someone else on this one. Our wedding was many years ago. The celebration continues to this day. By Jean Peré. Matt says, It sadly has lost its place in society. Divorce is easy to get and seems like it happens for no reason sometimes. It can be good when you have a strong foundation. I imagine it was easier 50 years ago when family ties were stronger, he says. Samuel D.T. says, It's great for other people. But as for now, my woman and I don't see the point. Also, everyone I know that's married tells me not to. That's men and women. Robin says, Marriage is God allowing us to express His love intimately to one person for all of your life. It's all the fruit of the Spirit directed toward one person every day, forever. It requires work and a made-up mind, trials and tests, just as I walk with God requires. It's a decision to express pure love to one person for all of your life. And then Sam and Mike got into it for a minute. Diana says, you really don't want me to answer that one, do you? And then they, Sam and Mike are going for it a couple of times. And then next one says, Kevin says, good for those that honestly want to partake best if government is not a party in your marriage. And then we got some people who start coming back and chiming against the same-sex civil unions marriage thing that goes on for a minute. Sean says, marriage rocks as long as you take it seriously and respect your spouse. Um, Derek says, man and woman, enough said. Uh, Keith, I think this is a different Keith. God gave me a helper and only asked that I love her like Christ loved the church. I think I came out on the best side. That's cool, man. And then Cam says to the question, marriage, what are your thoughts on it? Cam says, I don't know. Let me ask my wife. And they got a whole bunch of chuckles from everybody down here below. Frank says it worked for great for his parents but he's yet to try it. Tess says, marriages should be like enlistment contracts, four years with the option to renew. Jason says that marriages have been great, no regrets whatsoever. My wife has made me a better person. My best advice is to learn how to communicate, especially the listening part. Don says marriage made a lot more sense when I started working harder at it. And Sam's still saying I'll stick to what I'm doing. And Christy says, depends on your goals and age. Where I am in life, I see no reason for it. Commitment doesn't need a piece of paper. And that was our question of the week. And it was pretty spirited, to tell you the truth. I had to cut out some of that stuff, it was just a plain out debate. Thank you, Facebook family. <laughs> Know bachelor parties? Take it from me, not a good idea. There is stuff that can leave a mark on your life that you don't even want to follow you into a marriage. Just drink with the fellas, and that should be as wild as you should get. This is a pastor talking. I'm just trying to help you out, man. Do not do the stripper thing. Oh, yeah. Come on, you know, helping the local economy. You're not saving greenhouse gases or helping the oil spill in the Gulf by getting a lap dance. You don't know where that girl has been? Come on. How are you going to be a responsible husband with that stripper's funk on your clothes and on you on your wedding day? It's a lifetime commitment, marriage is, and you might as well practice responsibility now. Ah, the memories. I was good at being bad once. It's only by the grace and the mercy of God that I'm still standing. I remember this one time when this angry husband came at me at a bar, had my back to the door, and I was nursing a rum and coke. But I'll save that story for another time when it's just you and me somewhere. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit
1: us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget CrossbreedHolsters.com.
0: Hey, you know, usually I have a wait between the washer and the dryer down here in the basement where I record. And uh, I got off a little early. I think I'm going to go outside and uh, take advantage of the day. Her- Can you believe it? Hey, is it raining where you are? It's raining cats and dogs out here. And how about the Southeast US? Memphis and the mighty Mississippi and Nashville, Tennessee. Man, they are really going through out there. Alright, no motorcycle riding for me today. Back to the studio here.
1: I can't stand the rain against my window Bring it back sweet memory I can't stand the rain against my window Cuz you're not here with me Hey window Hey Do you remember How sweet it used to be When we were together And everything was so grand Now that we're parted There's one sound that I just can't stand I can't stand the rain Not here with me And I cried on the pillow where your head used to lay. I got me some sweet memories, but like the window, it's got nothing to say against the rain. and the rain against, against my window The window, you got nothing to say. You can't stand rain against my window because you're not here with me. The rain. Do you remember how sweet it used to be? I can't stand.
0: For less than ESS iPro. Advanced eye protection systems for military, law enforcement, and fire rescue professionals. Protect your eyes and look good doing it. Designed to take on the planet's most hostile and unforgiving environments, featuring cutting edge technologies, patented innovations for peak performance, and uncompromised eye safety. ESSiPro.com. Tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. ESSipro.com. <laughs> this is zombie strike. Part 27 Five miles west of Salem, Wyoming. approximately 50 miles west of Laramie. 18 February, 2010, 1600 hours local, countdown, one year, 11 months, 12 days. Jim Collins couldn't move from where he sat on the ground. He had failed so completely, more than he had ever thought possible. His enemy had his daughter, had the power of the altar, and was about to unleash some form of hell on the world. Jim's eyes saw as the members of Zombie Strike as the team rejoined at the battle site. He watched as Mateo told the Steve to stand guard over him as he sat immobilized. Jim knew he should get up and help the team as they prepared to stop Allen. His mind told his body to get up off the ground, but he couldn't see the point. Two men in dirty brown police uniforms walked up to Jim and the Steve. Jim knew he should be running. He had been running from these men for over two decades now. Right now, there didn't seem to be any point to running. Might as well complete his failure by dealing with this sham. With a great deal of effort, Jim lifted his head to look at the two officers that were now looming over him. Hello, Sheriff, Jim said with an unusual calm. Sheriff Jones hadn't aged well over the past 25 years. The tanned face was creased and weathered. The black hair that the sheriff was so proud of had melted into a few wisps of white that peeked out from under the Stetson. Had he shrunk a few inches as well? Jim looked over at the other officer, the one was spitting image of the sheriff some thirty years ago. So, this was Hal Jones, the heir to the throne. From the gleam in the younger Jones's eyes, The apple hadn't fallen far from the tree. Well, Nathan West, as I live and breathe, Sheriff Jones said with an evil amusement. A crooked face danced across the sheriff's face. I never thought I'd see you in these parts again. You must be one of the dumbest criminals I've ever had the pleasure of arresting. Hal let out a snicker. Jim looked at the sheriff. A part of him screamed to get up. He had to fight; he couldn't let it happen this way. Then came the crashing guilt, shame, and hopelessness. He was done. Letting the sheriff cart him away on those trumped-up charges would put the perfect end on his failure. I've waited twenty-five years to do this, Sheriff Jones hissed. Hal, take him. Sure thing, Hal said, reaching behind him for his handcuffs. Hal took a step with the silver manacles in his outstretched hand. Then he stopped with a look of unbelief and fear on his face. It took Jim a moment to realize that the Steve was pointing his kimber at the younger Jones's head. The Steve thinks you might want to back off, the Steve said in his normal happy tone. The cheery voice added to the tension. The sheriff fumbled for his pistol. Mateo and Colin appeared with their sidearms drawn and pointed at the two police officers. Colin's dark features were a blank mask, but Mateo regarded the sheriff like a man with a cockroach. Sheriff Jones went red with righteous indignation. Faced with three zombie hunters, the sheriff should have just backed down. Instead, he acted the same way he always did. You boys might want to think about what you're doing, the sheriff said in his best intimidating voice. Jim remembered how that voice terrified him so long ago. Now, it just seemed weak. The pistols didn't waver, so the sheriff threw down the law. You are threatening officers of the peace and harboring a man wanted for murder. Keep this up and you'll be spending the rest of your lives behind bars. Something clicked in Jim's mind. It was one thing for Jim to pay for his failure, but he couldn't let his friends do this. Jones was a vindictive and petty man. He could make life rough for the team. He could keep it from completing their mission. Jones wouldn't care about the apocalypse. All he would care about was taking revenge on those who had humiliated him. Jim stood up off the ground. Matt, stop, Jim pleaded. There's no need for this. Jim took a step toward his team leader, but Mateos kept his eyes on the sheriff and his son. Jim tried again. Listen to me. I'll go with them. You need to go find my daughter. Time is running out. I'm not worth this. Yeah, that sounds good, the sheriff blurted out, trying to seize the chance to end the confrontation. You let me take Nate in, and I'll forget about all of this. Friends have to protect their own, after all. Jim knew Jones wouldn't just let any of the team go. Not after this. Still, Jim needed to give the team time. Time enough to find Alan and his daughter. Time to stop whatever Alan was going to do. I don't think so, Mateo answered, with a tone colder than winter. Mateo holstered his pistol. He took a few steps toward the sheriff, his boots crunching the snow and ice under his feet. You see, here's the thing. We work for an insurance firm. One of the oldest and largest. The kind of firm that can afford to hire the best investigators. Mateo's dark eyes bored into the older man's. Funny thing about insurance firms, they like to know who they're hiring, Mateo continued. Took a bit of time, but we know everything about what happened. We know that you and yours framed my man and stole his life from him. The sheriff stood stunned. Mateo's words hit the man like a baseball bat. Oh yeah, we know who killed Sonny Smith and... We have the evidence, Mateo said, his cold tone melting into malicious warmth. Now you have a choice. You can let Jim Collins do his job and save your little town from someone who is truly evil, or you can try and take Nate West in and have everything we know come out into the light of day. Better decide fast, though. Time is running out. Jim watched in horrific fascination as the man that had terrorized him for years broke down under Mateo's words. Eternal seconds ticked by as Sheriff Jones searched Mateo for any sign of mercy or weakness. There was none. Finding no way out, the sheriff slumped down and waved the team on. He couldn't even form words. No, bellowed Hal, vibrating with anger. His hand shot down to his holster. Before the young man could draw his pistol, Colin had him on the ground. Colin contemptuously pinned Hal to the ground and zip-tied him. Bloody bad move, mate, Colin said into Hal's ear. Hal struggled a bit, but Colin simply tightened the zip-ties and slapped the back of Hal's head. You keep fighting, and things are going to get worse. There was a promise of violence in Colin's voice. Hal went limp. Colin motioned for Quentin and Billy to escort the two back to their police cruiser. Uh, Matt, Jim started and then stopped. Jim was elated, grateful, ashamed, and scared. The emotions threatened to tear him apart. Mateo gave Jim a look and held up his hand. I told you before, Jim, a man needs his secrets, Mateo said. I was waiting for you to come to me about it, maybe ask for our help. I probably should have forced the issue, especially in the light of what's happened, but that's not important right now. We've got to stop, Alan. "'How?' Jim demanded. "'We don't even know where he is.' Mateo started to say something but stopped as the steady thrum of helicopter blades filled the area. A large helicopter roared over the team's head to land some 50 yards away. Soldiers in full battle gear stormed off as a ramp was lowered from the rear of the helicopter. The last man wore simple BDUs. Jim recognized him as Colonel Bull Allen, the commander of the Army's anti-zombie forces." Seems Allen screwed up and let this little rant be picked up by the army, Mateo explained, as the colonel strolled over to where Zombie Strike had congregated. Apparently, soldiers have this thing about young women being taken to be killed in odd rituals. Jim swallowed back a wave of emotion. Colonel Allen saluted as he neared the group. The colonel's hard face softened as he looked at Jim. Mr. Collins, we found him, the officer reported. Your daughter and the target is maybe 15 miles from here. We've got a predator tracking them right now. My boys are shadowing them, waiting to engage. The officer turned to Mateo. Load your team in the chopper mat. Don't want to keep them waiting. Colin? Get everyone loaded up, Mateo ordered. Colin nodded, but Jim could see something was bothering the former commando. He pushed that to the side as Mateo nudged him toward the waiting helicopter. Come on, Jim. Mateo said. Let's go get your little girl. This concludes another installment of the narrated story, Zombie Strike, by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the Ongoing Saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio file on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved.
1: Part of my culture because of the way I grew up. If you need 19 rounds to shoot a deer, you probably shouldn't be hunting. Closing the gun show loophole so that we make sure that uh, we have the information we need.
2: You're listening to the Urban Shooter, as heard on radio talk shows across the country, featured in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Washington Times. And now here's your host, the Urban Shooter himself, Ken Blanchard.
0: Pablo Burrell, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast.
3: Well, thanks, Pastor. Thanks for having me today.
0: Man, you have a book called The Ministry of Defense, Executive Protection for the Ministry. Awesome book. I've gone through it. Love it, man. Has some good stuff in here. What made you want to write it?
3: Well, I'm going to tell you the true story. I'd like to take credit for it, but I can't because this was this was God inspired. Uh, I was working security ministry at Living Waters Christian Fellowship here in Newport News, where I live at. Okay. And one of the brothers who actually works counterterrorism for the United States Army, we were talking. He has a martial arts background as well as I do. Uh, we had some new people coming into the ministry, and they had never worked security before, so they had no background whatsoever. And him being aware of some of the things that, I, that I've done, you know, I've, I've got a advanced executive protection certi- certification through ESI out of Aspen, Colorado. He asked me, he said, hey, look, you know, could you sit down and just write a few things that, you know, we can, you know, drop in the guy's spirit and whatnot and teach him a little bit to make him more efficient to at least have him aware of what they're supposed to be doing their function is. And um, I just started to write um, – When I started to write notes and different things that I think would be helpful to them, you know, the Holy Spirit guided me to put information in there and a foundation, a spiritual foundation, because these people, being Christians or, you know, being true Christians, they wouldn't be able to accept or understand what I was saying unless I gave them a foundation. So that's the reason why you find some scriptures in there relating to what I'm doing to let them know that that God's not going to get mad at them for, you know, learning how to protect their ministry and keep people, you know, from coming in and perpetrating violent acts.
0: So the, the basis for this book is how to protect your church from threats.
3: Absolutely. But the funny thing about it is this, and, and I found a a lot of people, I've had a lot of people speak to me on a lot of emails and whatnot. The information that's in there is so simple that, that it can be applied by anyone. You know, it, it was directed primarily toward people setting up security ministries within their churches. But what I found out a lot of is a lot of women have been buying the book, and they have been saying, hey, look, my my, my husband's in the military, and some of the things that I learned, protection things that I learned from this book, I was able to implement them into my house, and I feel safer now. And some of the things have given me an understanding on things, on, on how to look at things a lot differently than I did before, and I feel safer. So... I would say that it's just a general book that anybody can, you can get information from it that you can use around your home. It's it's focus is security ministry for churches, but I found out that it has a a, a much wider reach than what I initially anticipated. Yeah, because you got
0: stuff in here about people who loiter and gang activity and how arguments and it kind of identifies potentials for threats, kind of gives you a heads up that you might not have paid any attention to if you weren't in that profession before.
3: Well, one of the things about it is this, um, you know, me and you've already talked, like I said, I fractured a few laws. I know, I know what these guys are looking for, and I know what you need to be focused on. A lot of times I know you've heard in, in your past of people saying, hey, look, don't let me catch you slipping. Right. And we all know what that means, being unaware. The key thing that, I, that I've done in my book is you notice for yourself the largest chapter I have in it is on intelligence. Because that's the, really the only true way to protect yourself, whether it's ministry or otherwise, is to be more aware of what your opponent is doing than what, what is going on within your own ministry. You have to uh, effectively be able to counter them before they get in action. So just like Sun Tzu said, the, the best way uh, to win a war is without firing a shot. And you do that through intelligence, knowing more about them than they know about you. I live that every day.
0: So, yes, so, I know that, so you're talking about the human target, and then you actually have a a really big section on just working it. I mean, talk about that.
3: Well, what I wanted them to do, and what I did in my book, I, I go more into. it. There was such a a crowd by the public. I got a second book that's in it, just getting ready to be completed called Seven Elements of Combat. It mm. deals specifically. Yeah, it, it's it's a good one. It deals specifically with combat, dealing with it on a personal level, and it addresses it not only from the aspect of the tactical, but the spiritual, because it, it gives the spiritual foundation of the human being. This is what you have to be able to deal with spiritually, this is what you have to deal with intellectually, and this is what you have to deal with tactically. Now, what I touched on in the book that you're talking about is I show people these are the vulnerable places of the human body. These are where the person... Is. You don't have to be a martial artist. Time and time again, you see in, in, in the military and different... Things like that, that they impart information to a person in a short period of time that our warriors are effective and efficient in using it. You just keep it simple. I tell people okay, these are the most effective areas that you can contact in a conflict. When a person is attacking you, these are the places you can contact where they're most vulnerable at. It doesn't make a difference what the person's age is, what their capabilities are. All humans were, were constructed in a particular manner, and we have the same type of vulnerability. So when you show people these areas right here, then they say, okay, you give them a focus. You can contact these areas for maximum efficiency to end the conflict, because that's what it's really all about, ending it before it gets into full, you know, for fruition.
0: Yeah, I really like how you have it about neutralizing a threat in the sanctuary. I mean, you have the, the CROs. What's that? Absolutely.
3: Well, it, you talk about conflict resolution officers. Now, that is something unique, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because what you're looking at here is in most ministries, you'll have military people. You may have some police officers, and mm-hmm. you have people with experience in that. That is not a arena for, you know, the guys that's, that's usually doing the parking lot or that's doing ushering or
2: mm-hmm. different
3: things like that. That is for a person that actually has experience. And the reason, the reason I pointed that out to them and using that for their assignment is that these people are in control, and control is the key word. Because they have experience in these things, they're not gonna be, they're not going to be shocked if violence does occur, mm. because they've been involved in it or they've, they've, they've got experience in it, so that they can handle it without anger. And that's the key thing. You want to be able to handle these situations without anger, because remember what the Scripture says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So right. you don't get mad at the person themselves, even though you must do what you have to do, because duty... Uh, 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 States that you have to do what you're commanded to do, what you under control, your area and your realm. You have to deal with that. But it doesn't mean that you have to have anger when you do that, because you know as well as I do, if, if I'm teaching it from a tactical standpoint, I tell a person, if you're angry, all kinds of bad things happen to the human body mm-hmm. when anger hits, because anger is a reflection of fear. So what you get is you get the tacky sight effect you get shortness of breath, you get fight or flight, you get adrenaline dump. So the thing that you've meant to do in a gentle way to subdue the person or remove them from the environment now, because you're not able to gauge your own physical abilities because of, of your physiological change, now you've broken something on somebody. and Now your ministry and yourself become liable to be sued. See, that so was, this that is that the was key, man. That was key. Yeah. But see, that's the thing about it. Most people don't consider that. But that's the reason why you do it in that particular way, so that this person is not... You know, one of the things that I stress in my book, and you know that by now, is that if you have anger, you don't contact the person. You Mm. bring other people into the situation, and you let them take care of it. You know, most people, they get indignant, and then they're angry because what? You've come in my place of worship to perpetrate this crime. So it makes them angry, but I let them know that's not the correct way to pursue that. And you need to mature yourself spiritually. That's the reason why I include it in the second book: mature yourself spiritually so that you don't succumb to the anger. The anger is dangerous for both parties.
0: See, I like I like especially how you break it down. People forget that in the house of worship, the public is welcome, and everybody's not on the same sheet of music. Yeah, there's hecklers and new nu- and, and nuisance people in there. There's vandalism that happens on church property. There's theft. Folks can come there for arson, for, there's drug trafficking, there's gang activity. You name all this stuff in your book.
3: Absolutely. And, and I need to make them aware. I mean, you know, one of the things that we have to understand is just what the Scripture says. It says, you know, my people die for lack of knowledge. Yes, sir. You can't hide from this. As a matter of fact, you're not supposed to hide from this. In the Bible, it states in James 4 and 7, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Yes. So you're not supposed to hide from this. You're supposed to be aware of this because you're supposed to protect the house. One of the things that I, it, it, most of the time, and, and, and you know this for a fact, the people that need this information the most, those are the ones that oppose it the most. Those yes. are the ones that need it. Um, the recently, um, s- several months ago, there was a suicide in the Crystal Cathedral. And um, after that suicide, I, you know, I sent a free book to Robert Shuler and his his staff there, which they have online there. Because this should have never happened.
2: Mm.
3: It should have never happened. You know, for for a ministry that large, I'm sure, that they had the capability of thoughtness that for a guy to come walk right into the sanctuary with a gun and commit suicide in the sanctuary, that should never have happened. That should never have happened. But what happens is, you know, you, when you're caught up in the ministry, everything, you know, the, the pastor has a lot of things to deal. He has a lot of things on his plate. So you need to have somebody that he can consult. The reason, and one of the reasons I call a book, The Ministry of Defense, is because in the old days, the minister of defense was a person that the leadership would go to and say, I need you to study my opponent and make up plans for war if I decide to go to war. And that's what your job was. You would come in, and that's exactly what you would do. Within the ministry that we have, you have a pastor that's there, and the pastor needs to have a person just like that that can say, hey, look, we're sitting in this church in the middle of this war zone. You have gangs on this side. You have drugs over here. You have this going on, and I need somebody to look over all of this information and tell me what it is that we have to combat against. What is it that we're facing while we're in here? You don't want to walk into a situation with your eyes closed. It is very, very dangerous.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, folks are chomping at the bit. How can they contact you? What's your website and a way they can reach you?
3: Well, here you go. My website is my name. It's Pablo Burrell, P-A-B-L-O-B-I-R-R-I-E-L dot com. Um, uh, One of the things that I'm doing is, like I said, um, I'm distributing the book to as many ministries as I can. So if somebody wants to do a donation, they can send it to Ministry of Defense, K-R-O-F, Kingdom Rule Publishing. And that's at 206 west taylor avenue in hampton virginia and zip code is two three six six three and they can be on the lookout for that book that second book in, uh that i was talking about seven elements of the combat of combat is is really is, is a fantastic piece of work it is um to me it's, it's the best thing that i've ever done i've been working on it for the past oh my goodness, at least three years. And it's been rewritten several times, you know, as information changes. It's been updated constantly. And I finally got to the point where I've I've settled my spirit on what I want to put out there and what the people really want. And I'm going to be able to put that out there shortly. And, you know, being a friend that you are, you know, you're going to get your copy first. So, you know, how that's going to go. I'm going
0: to make sure I put... You know,
3: I got to give you love. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to put all the links
0: on this episode so everybody can check it out. And we're going to make sure that Pablo Burrell gets all the attention due, because this is a this is a fabulous book for anybody in ministry. I've gotten a couple of questions in the last couple of weeks, actually, so this is right on time. Ministry of Defense.
3: Well, well you know, God has a way of putting things out there and making it timely. You know, I just uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm, I'm really happy about us meeting and, and the friendship that we have in there because you know for yourself, this is a lonely road right here. Yes, it, it, really, it really is a difficult role to, to, to get people to understand these things, and, and they have to. Uh, one of the things that, that people don't realize is this um, they had statistics that just recently come out by the Department of Justice on crime, and they said crime is decreasing across the board. And I mean, Far be it for me to suggest that because of gun ownership, um, Mm -hmm. you know, concealed carry going up, that crime drops. I mean, I can tell you for a fact, I know what my brother said. Now, my brother spent a third of his life in the federal penitentiary, and I asked him personally, what is the number one thing that that causes you to pause before you commit a crime? He said whether the individual is carrying a gun or not. That is the only thing that will persuade him to look some other way. If he thinks the person has the ability to defend themselves, he's not going to do it. Because they don't want to die. See, what you have to understand is people like that, which I call human predators, um, what they do is they look for weakness, and they look for the ability to exploit the weakness in the individual, whether it's on a physical level, they can see that they're physically depleted, or on a mental level because they're not paying attention to what they're doing. But if the person has the confidence about them, you know, and and, and people that carry a conceal, and people that, that, that own firearms have a certain confidence about them because they know that they have the ability to protect themselves and their family in given situations, they they portray a certain, or they project a certain intensity about themselves that would make a criminal look and say, you know what, I, I'll pass on this one. I, there's somebody else out there, you know, that I can, I can better be served by doing it because what they want to do is a crime of opportunity. I want to get in quick. I want to get out quick and I don't want any problems. If you take a careful look, they talk so much about statistics. I'll give you a good example. With, with crime statistics that we were just talking about, they said there's been um, a decrease in 4.4% just within the last year or so, and this, this is what they're suggesting. But at the same time, the statistics that I'm getting for places like um, the Christian Security Network
2: mm-hmm.
3: is saying that there's an increase against ministries at the same time, and they're increasing every year. Just last year, there was 1,200 incidents alone. Within church ministries, and I'm looking at a listing right now that you that you could actually look up on there, and it's showing just in the month of May, no less than about maybe I would say about 35 uh, different types of attacks. They go everything from burglaries, arson,s um, you know, assaults, and different things all across this country. So, one of the things that I say is this. Most of the time, within ministry, a lot of the crimes are are unreported. You know, if you have um, if you have small level crimes, if you have vandalism, if if you have some low level theft, you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Even to the point of embezzlement and wrongdoing within the church itself, they have a tendency of trying to cover it up instead of addressing it. And this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem that we face because the public has found out that we're human beings and we have faults, just like anyone else from the different things that we've done and people haven't dealt with it. So now they say, okay, there used to be a thing amongst criminals where criminals say, you know what? I won't, I won't do this at a church. I won't do this because I'm afraid to do this at a church because what I fear God, but after they see child molestation, um, murder, kidnapping, they say, you know what? This is no different than anything else around here. So I don't have to be afraid of God because God is not here anymore.
0: Free game. There you go.
3: Absolutely. So, so now you see, just like in Maryland, up in the area where there was a church uh, about a year or two ago, it was robbed five or six consecutive times by the same people. Yeah. And the only thing that they actually did, and, I, and I'm not discouraging prayer, I, I, you have to pray. You have to. If you're a warrior, there is absolutely no way that you can be a true warrior and not have a connection to God. It just can't happen. It just cannot happen. You're not true if you're not doing it. But you have a group of two to three men that come in. There and they're using you for the, uh, the ATM. They come right. directly into your ministry and say, there's nobody that's going to put up a resistance. You got 500 people in there. There is money. Yep. All I do is when you collect, I collect from you. And there's no police response or nothing. That's because you're not reporting it. And even if you do report it, it's, it's, it's too late for them to do anything. And you don't take any countermeasures to protect your people. Even Aaron recognized in the Bible, Aaron, who was the first priest, Ring the tabernacle in the desert about with warriors, and gave them instructions not to allow anybody to approach while the people were worshiping. Yeah. So, if God made God made provision for it all the way then, nothing has changed.
2: Right. The God church, the, is,
3: the church and the ministry is still the same. The church yeah. and the ministry is still under attack, but we have fallen short. This is the reason why you see crime going the way it is and going so crazy right now. It's the fact that we're not we're we're, we're not able to provide and protect for our own self. I mean, I'll tell you point blank, I don't, I don't, I'm a hunter, I love to hunt, I, I fish, and you can find me at anybody's pistol range, I can't help it, <laughs> you know what I mean, these are the things that I do, right. my father was an ex-military guy, and I used to take my kids out in the woods and say, okay, you can eat that, you can eat that, you can eat, and you shouldn't eat these right here, you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. We, I lived through a hurricane, when my and my family, we lived through the hurricane, I think I gained three pounds. You know what I mean? While everybody else else was consuming, oh, what happens if the grocery stores don't open? I'm like, you got water right here, you got water over there, you got fish over here. What are you talking about? Mm. They don't know how to survive. There's some things that you should know that Americans used to know certain particular things, and, and, and these are things that you need to pick up. If you remember in my book, there's an area that I have specifically in there concerning churches and natural disasters, because you're seeing more and more of them, and they don't know how to handle it. What's the first thing a person? Well, I haven't been in church in 20 years, but guess what? If a hurricane hits, I'm coming, Right. because I need some help now you understand what i'm saying yeah. so one of the things that i deal with is okay this is what you're going to have to be able to do and it's a radical way of thinking but it's the truth you have to be able to set up okay i may have to house my ministry you know take the people out of their houses and relocate them back to the church grounds where uh-huh. it's safe for you understand and yep. if i do bring these people there then because there's probably not going to be a police force that's able to protect them I have to be able to protect them. That's why in my book, you see firearms. That's why you see shotguns. That's why you hear about these things. And, it, and it's just that, saying, okay, even if I'm here to help the public, I have to be able to protect what I have to be able to distribute it to the people. Why? Or you're going to see the same type of things you saw in Haiti. Soon as the people hit the ground in, in Haiti, what did they do? The gangs came in, and took everything. So right. the people that really needed the things that they needed to survive weren't able to get them because the people that did have arms we're determined we're going to survive no matter what. So what do they do? It goes back to the old law of nature, you know, only the strong shall survive. So they do what? They're the strong. They're the armed. They go in and they take these things. And you have to be able to provide and protect these people in this particular way and let them know we're not going to tolerate that. And just by standing still and showing your resolution that I'm not going to tolerate this, you put them all to flight because they don't want that.
0: And as a shepherd, you're responsible for these people.
3: Absolutely. And that's the key thing that I said, man, and you – I man, some of the arguments, oh, boy, you know – it, I mean, God is still working on me. You know, I'm still the kind <laughs> of guy that I'll slap your side of the head. So, I gotta catch myself. Sometime I'm like, man, y'all don't know. You know, I'm trying to approach this in a godly manner, but we can always go out back and settle this. Not a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can do it with love. I love you. I love you because the Bible always speaks of laying on the hands, and I'm very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pablo. Man, thank you so
0: much for this. I'm gonna put all these links up on episode 166, and we're gonna catch you back because after the word gets out i'm gonna call you back for some for more tips so we can just keep this thing going every once in a while is that all right with you
3: man that's fantastic you can call me anytime you know we family now man all right, you ain't bro. got nothing you know anytime you want to call me we're going to talk anyway but anytime you need me and they got questions you know they can send me when they go to the website look yep. i'm different man they go to the website they send me an email anybody will tell you that if you send me you know if you send me an email and you got a legitimate question you get an answer you know, 'cause this money I mean, and when you do things, yeah, hey, money is good. But this is not this this is not about that. You understand what I'm saying? This yeah. this is a, this is actually about ministry. You know, the money is a good thing. But but at the same time, I don't want anybody to be unprotected, you know, and I'll be the bad guy, you know what I mean? I'll go ahead and say the things that need to be said, you know, to the pe- different people within the ministries and whatnot to wake them up. I don't mind doing that right there because that's what I've been charged with. That way, if there's a person and they won't want to say, hey, I, I said, no, that's okay, I'll say it for you. They can get mad at me, but the truth must be known. One of the things in the scriptures that I always look at is they said, Take a a man of good reproach and put him on a tower, mm. and he'll stand watch over the entire city. Mm. And when the sword is about to fall on the city, he'll give the alarm. He'll sound the alarm to let people know that the sword is coming. He said, "Those that hear him and heed his words can save their own life, but those that hear him and do not, you know, their life is in their own hand. And that's all that I'm doing. I'm just sounding the alarm and providing the information. There's plenty of people that they can go to. They can get information. I'm not the only one that does seminars, anything out there. But you know, sometimes you need somebody that's bold enough to step into the breach and create a bridge from one section to the other, so that you can even have the dialogue of saying, "Okay, maybe we need to explore this." And I don't mind being the one to do it. Ah, uh, preach, preacher. <laughs>
0: you go. <laughs> PabloBurrell.com, folks. It's real. Yeah. The brother is on. <laughs> Thank you so
3: much, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate you, and always, man, you have a blessed day, and you and your family, too, call me when you need me. You got it, Doc. Not All, right.
0: All right. You heard it here. That's P-A-B-L-O, Pablo, Burrell, dot lcom or you can find it on Amazon.com, the Ministry of Defense, executive protection for the ministry. Also on Kingdom Rule. Hey, the Urban Shooter app is now available in the iTunes Store. Get as many episodes as you can handle. Check out the pictures, the quick links to the website, email, and more. The Urban Shooter app. Get yours today. All right. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, my email address is ken at com or Gun at com. I'm on Facebook. Look for Ken Blanchard with two N's. Got a new article on Guns and Patriots. That's humanevents.com, which is a pretty cool publication online. Check it out. If you're new to the show... Send me a note. Tell me what you think. If you've been around a while, hopefully you're a member of the Urban Shooter Association. It's you who keep this show moving and grooving like it is. This week was great. I got a chance to send out six sets of ESSI Pro to those who are paying attention, actually. I had a contest. I said, if you are an Urban Shooter Association member, and you can just send me a note, they say, you want a pair of glasses, and the first one I picked would win. Well, ESS and I are doing pretty good together as friendship, and I did a commercial for them, so they sent me half a dozen sets. So what did I do? Everybody and a couple extras that have so been supporting this show should get a surprise this week, and I'm going to do that forever. When I get blessed, you get blessed. Is like that. It's family. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is a family. I am your brother from a different mother. And just in case nobody else has told you, I love you. And what a darn thing you can do about it! Until next week, remember, the early bird might get the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese.
1: Urban shooter, Shalom, the baby. To go. Y'all ready?